0: Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We're talking about being born again. I think of my kids, especially Austin Sierra, you know, are twins, and their birthday's coming up. Two days ago was my son Daniel's birthday. Austin Sierra's birthday is coming up, and they're twins. I'll never forget the moment we found out we were having twins. So my wife, Deborah and I had been married for about a year or so, or maybe a little less than a year. And then all of a sudden, we go to the doctor to find out whether we're having a boy or a girl. And we walk in to have the test. And the lady who's doing the test says, I see two heads in there and I freaked out and I go, Are they attached? No, there's a boy and a girl. And it was amazing. Sierra was born first, so she's a little older than Austin, but it was definitely one birth followed by a second birth. Well, being born again is kind of like that it's one birth, which is our natural birth, but then later being followed by a second birth, which is born from the Spirit, not of flesh, but of Spirit. In our natural birth, we were born into sin. We were born into what we would call being born into Adam. But our second birth, which is when we're born again, we're born into Christ by the Spirit of God. And in order to be born out of Adam, out of sin, and into Christ, you have to be born again. Once natural, when you're born into the world, but the second birth is supernatural when you're born into Christ by His Spirit. Today, we're in part four of hashtag not of this world, and I put the hashtags on there to remind us that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And today, we're going to talk about born from above. The theme of this series is from John chapter 17, when Jesus prays, and he prays and he says, they are not of the world, speaking of his disciples as followers, which would be you and me if we're followers, even as I am not of the world. So let's talk about what this means. And I do pray that we have clarity. There's some confusion about, I don't want to be a born again Christian. Well, then what does that mean if we're saying we don't want to be a born again Christian? Or are we a Christian? So let's talk about that. So number one, I am not of the world because I am born from above. There's an interchange of terminologies. It can mean born again, or it can mean born from above. But with what's going on with Jesus and Nicodemus, there's obviously a play on words there when Nicodemus asks, how can I be born again? So there is a play of being born again, but the birth comes from Christ. In fact, John 3, 3 is the key verse where Jesus answers and tells Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again or from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So let's look at that. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. And we're going to enter into a conversation that Jesus literally had with this Pharisee named Nicodemus. So I'm going to start in verse 1, chapter 3 of John. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night. So let's look at that. That's the first Nick at night episode. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So what he's implying there. Jesus, you're different. There's something different about you. Who are you? He's basically saying, who are you? How can you do these miracles and have this power? Now, notice how Jesus answers. He doesn't tell him. He says, Jesus answers and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So he's basically saying, truly, truly, which is amen, amen. I say to you, Nicodemus, if you really want to see who I am and what I can do, you have to be born again. Okay, you have to be born from above. Otherwise, you won't see and you won't understand. And that's a lot what's going on with people. They don't understand is because they haven't been enlightened by the Spirit of God. In verse 4, Nicodemus says to Jesus, Jesus, how can a man be born?" When he's old, see, so is the play of the born again thing. He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb, duh, and be born, can he? Jesus answers, truly, truly, amen, amen. I say to you, Nick, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Now let's stop there for a minute. Let's talk about what makes someone who's born again different than someone who's not. First, born again people are born of water and spirit. There's a lot of interpretations of what that means. There's a lot of possibilities. So again, if we go on back to the Bible here, and Jesus says, truly, truly, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Then verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from. So he's using now the example of wind, but it's exactly how the Spirit works. You don't see the Spirit necessarily working, but you see the results. Like a wind, you don't see the wind. You see the results of the wind. So Jesus is saying, you don't see how the Spirit is working, but you can see the results of the Spirit working. And that happens big time when someone is born from above, born again. So that key verse there, John 3, 5, read it with me. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let's talk about born of water and Spirit. What does that mean? All the translations add the article the to the Spirit because they're trying to say born of the Holy Spirit, but the word isn't in the original Greek, but it makes sense being born of the water and just not any Spirit, being born of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what we have to understand when we're trying to interpret anything. We need to look at the context of who's talking to who, especially in a narration, right? So who is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to a man who is a well-known teacher of the law. And he's a respected teacher of the law. He's a Pharisee. He has one of the highest religious positions in Israel. So therefore, it behooves us to look at Jesus' words and statements in the context of what Nicodemus would understand, not necessarily what we as New Testament believers would understand. So Jesus is speaking to a Jew, a well-known teacher of the law, highly respected Pharisee who knows the law. It seems to me that it would make sense that he would be speaking his language, which would be Old Testament law and prophet and not pulling out New Testament stuff. Nicodemus isn't there yet. So what does born of the water and spirit mean then? First, before we even go on with that, we have to understand that Jesus is further clarifying his statement about being born again. So we have to understand that when he says born of water and spirit, he's not necessarily talking about two births. He's talking about the birth, the rebirth, the born-again birth, as water and spirit. So here's some theological interpretations that people have come up with. One of them is that Jesus, when he speaks of water, he's speaking of the natural birth, and he's speaking of the amniotic fluid. And then the spirit would be the spiritual birth. That would kind of not fit because Jesus is speaking of the one birth, the rebirth, not two separate births. And also there's no other references in scripture for water to be the amniotic fluid. So that doesn't really jive. The next interpretation, sometimes people say, well, Jesus is speaking of water baptism. That wouldn't make much sense to Nicodemus unless you're speaking of John the Baptist's baptism. And then the other part would be that we know that water baptism doesn't get us into the kingdom of God. It's faith. Water baptism comes after we're born again to show that we have been born again. It's an outward sign of an inward experience. Then the other one is that water is the word. So when he says you have to be born of water, and the Spirit is saying you have to be born of the word, and the Spirit, and that could be the case, because some point back to Genesis chapter 1, which is an incredible thing to think about. In Genesis chapter 1, what's happening? You have God creating, and then the Spirit hovering over the water, and then Jesus speaks, let there be light, and then some point to Ephesians, where Paul writes of being washed in the Word. That could be the case, But I think it's that water is a spiritual cleansing. And the reason I think that is that Jesus is speaking to an Old Testament scholar. And if you go back into the Old Testament, you find Ezekiel speaking very much similar language. In fact, let's look at that. It's going to pop up on your screen. Ezekiel 36. 25-26, through which is speaking of the new covenant. God is speaking, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart, and here's the key, put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone, and give you one of flesh, so that you can respond, and not have a hard heart. Now, Right there, we see the spirit and water, the water and the cleansing, and then the rebirth of the spirit. And again, this speaks of the new covenant, which was inaugurated by Jesus, but Nicodemus wouldn't have experienced that yet. But here's the thing, Nicodemus still doesn't get it. Even though Jesus is speaking his language, Nicodemus doesn't get it. Why? Because he's not born again. He's not born of the Spirit. So you can't understand spiritual things if you're still in the flesh or you're still born just natural. You have to be born supernatural. And water is the cleansing aspect of the Spirit. So when Jesus says you must be born of water and spirit, it's not two separate births. He's speaking of you have to be born from above. And when that happens, you get a new spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, and you are cleansed. In fact, Jesus confirms that when he stands in the middle of Jerusalem. In John 7, he goes, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of what? Living water, which is the Holy Spirit. And Titus, in the New Testament, says he saved us not because of the righteous things we did, but because of his mercy. And then he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So there we see the washing, the water, and the Spirit. So when you're born again, when you're born from above, you are washed, clean, and you receive the Holy Spirit. And until that happens, you'll be like Nicodemus. You won't get it. That's why a lot of people don't get it, because you have to be born from above. That's important. The only way you're going to be able to see God's kingdom working now and see God's kingdom in eternity is you have to be born again. Next, born again, people believe heavenly things. We're not subject to lies and distortion and deception. Sadly. I can honestly say a lot of Christians are. Why is that? Because they're not in the Word. They watch the news and they watch TV and they read the Twitter and all this stuff, the social media. That's what they're being fed and they never contrast it or compare it to the Word of God. Born again people need to be into heavenly things, not earthly things. Let's continue in John chapter 3. We left off in verse eight, so we're going to start in verse nine. So Nicodemus says to Jesus, How can this be? And Jesus answered, said to him, Nick, you're a teacher of the law of Israel, and you don't understand these things? I don't think he's being hard on him because he gets it. His eyes aren't open. Truly, truly, I say to you, we, who's we, now he's speaking of those who do know, we speak of what we know and testify what we've seen, and you, so there's a contrast between two births, two types of people, you don't accept our testimony. And then Jesus says, if I told you earthly things, Nicodemus, and you don't believe those, how are you going to believe if I tell you heavenly things? And then, this is incredible, Jesus goes on, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So he's telling him who he is. And it's incredible because he's going back to Daniel. In the book of Daniel, Daniel's describing the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, I'm that person. Then he goes on even more and fills in the dots. Verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, he's going back to Numbers chapter 21, when the Israelites were just getting on God's nerves. I don't know, but I mean, I would think they're complaining about everything. They don't trust God. And so God says, okay, let me just send snakes into the camp. And see if they'll trust me. So he sends snakes in the camp, and they get bit. And some of them start dying. And they turn to Moses, please help us, Moses. He says, okay, let me see what I can do. And God says, okay, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a bronze snake and I want you to put it on a pole and I want you to hold that up, which by the way, that's the symbol of the medical community. I want you to hold that up and when they look to that, they will be healed. Are you kidding me? Jesus is not only saying he's the son of man, he's saying he's the savior, the healer, the spiritual healer of all our sin and disease and sickness. The foreshadowing was that that was the cross. Way before the cross, but that was the cross. And Jesus, the bronze means judgment. Jesus took upon himself the sin and death that was caused by that snake, Satan. And he died in our place. And whoever looks to the cross is saved and born again. Because he goes on, so that whoever believes will in him, he's speaking of himself, have eternal life. And then we have one of the most famous verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's how you get it. That's how you get the eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world. Thank God for that. That the world might be saved through him. Here's the crux of the matter. Verse 18. He who believes in him, Jesus, is not judged. But he who does not believe is judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And he goes, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear of that their deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as being wrought by God or done by God. In this incredible conversation, Jesus is saying a bunch of heavenly things. And Nick's not getting it, not yet. And that's the problem. There's light, there's dark, there's good, there's evil, there's judgment, there's forgiveness. There's always a contrast. And the way that you get on the right side of the contrast is you look to the cross, where Jesus took upon himself all sin all mistakes, every thought, bad thought that you've ever had or will have, every bad word that's come out of your mouth, every bad thing you've ever done or will do, Jesus took it upon himself. And when you look to that, you don't die. You live. That's what's important. Next, born again people live in the light. Jesus is talking a lot about light. We have in the beginning of the bible there was darkness there was chaos and then god's word spoke jesus and said what let there be light because light is truth and truth is light do you see the battle that's going on in our world there's a battle and here's the spiritual issues behind that there's a battle between two kingdoms when Jesus says you can't see the kingdom of God without being born again, that means there's another kingdom. It's known as the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. Who runs that kingdom temporarily? Satan. We know this not only because the Bible says it, but we can look at how, even when Satan tempted Jesus, how did he tempt him? He said, Hey, look at all the kingdoms of the world. I will give that to you if you worship me, and basically was saying, Jesus, don't go to the cross. It's not worth it. I can give you the kingdoms, because if you read Revelation, the end of the story, Jesus comes back and retakes his kingdom in the world. Satan was going, Jesus, don't do that. Don't go to the cross. I'll give it to you now. You don't have to go to the cross. Thank God that didn't happen, because we'd all die, and we would never be able to be born again and we'd be left outside of God's kingdom. Listen, everyone inherently knows that there's a battle between good and evil, dark and light. They just don't think about it. But think about how many movies and books are written with the exact same thing. I mean, Star Wars is a whole thing, like 18,000 episodes of Star Wars about the Jedi that are good and the Sith that are evil, and there's a battle between good and evil, or the Lion King. You know, Simba's kingdom versus the kingdom of the hyenas, who laugh a lot. Remember when Mustafa tells Simba, he says what? Hey, Simba, everything the light touches is your kingdom. And then how about one of my favorite movies, Back to the Future? I love Back to the Future. It's a battle of good and evil. You know, it's Marty versus Biff. But God's kingdom is the good kingdom. That's the kingdom of light and of truth. And Satan's kingdom is the bad kingdom, which is the kingdom of darkness, lies, and death. And here's Satan's goal entirely to keep as many people in the dark as possible. Because if you're not born again, you're in the dark. And you're outside of God's kingdom, which means you are still in the kingdom of darkness, which has a dead end. God's will, though, for everyone, is that to come into the kingdom of light by believing in His one and only Son that gave His life for you so that you would not perish in the darkness, but come into the light. So if you look at the world today, you see this battle. People in the world, they don't know it, but they're working for the leader of the kingdom of darkness. They're deceived. They don't even know, most of them, that they're fighting against God. So John confirms this issue of light in his whole gospel. In fact, the first chapter says, In him was life, and the life was the light of many. Speaking of Jesus, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. Because you can't understand it unless you're born again. But those who remain in the dark will be judged. That's why Jesus says, This is the verdict, light, has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And that word love is agape love, which is the highest degree of love that people love the darkness more than they love the light. That doesn't even make sense. But why? Because they don't even know they're in the dark. The only way they will know is when they get out of it. Like if you're stuck in a dark room, the only way you get to see is turn on the light. And people don't know they're in a dark room. Their deeds are evil. That's why they love the darkness. Now, listen, here's a question. Is it possible to do good things outside of Christ, meaning that anybody who's in the dark can do good things? Well, depends how you define good. Jesus said there's no one good except God alone. So can we help people? Can people in the dark help other people? Obviously, yes. But here's the problem. Those good things are worthless unless you're doing them in the light. Isaiah says this, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our self-righteous acts are like filthy rags, which will shrivel up, and the wind will sweep us away in our sin. Now there's two different winds. There's the wind of sin and darkness that overcomes people. And then there's the wind of light and good and truth and the Holy Spirit who overcomes as well. So when Jesus says, I'm knocking at the door of your heart, I want to come in. You better let him in because otherwise you're going to stay in the dark. All evil deeds are born from the flesh, Adam and instigated by the devil. Paul spoke that when he said in Romans 7, now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now he's not castigating blame to someone else. He's just stating a theological truth that the devil made me do it. You remember that? The devil made me do it. Well, the devil doesn't make you do it, but he can surely get a foothold if you're not willing to let the Holy Spirit get a hold of you and work in your life. Now, here's the worst thing that can happen to anybody. I mean to listen up, and it's found in Romans 1.24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. There comes a time when someone rejects the light over and over and the light of Jesus and rejects Jesus, which is the unpardonable sin the heart comes so hard that God just hands them over to their own desires. That is the saddest thing in the world. And we see that all throughout the world because God is trying to get a hold of your heart and you just keep rejecting Him and rejecting Him. Whenever there's confusion or chaos, division, you can know Satan got a foothold. And people who reject the light live in the darkness. But in John 3, 21, Jesus said, but anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. So we as Christians, we work good, we do good deeds, not for our glory, for God's glory. To show people that it's God who's doing it through me. Some people say, God and me, we're doing it. Or God is my co-pilot. No, God does it through you. If you just surrender and let him do what he wants to do, you will experience a peace and a, a light and just an understanding of, man, in my own self, I am like a filthy rag. But because Jesus got a hold of me, And I believed in him, and he came into my heart, and I'm born again. I'm not stuck in that old birth. I'm not wearing those old clothes. Problem is, you still go into your closet and you turn them on, they don't fit you anymore. Get rid of them. You're dressed in white, white as snow, pure as light. Do you feel like that? No. But repentance is believing what God says over what you think or feel. And once you get a hold of that, once you believe it in the deepest parts of your heart and your soul, you will understand that you live by grace. And it's God doing it through you. So how do we end? I'm not of the world. I'm of the word. So I want to give you some wordy advice, not worldly. Live like you know who you are. Live like you know who you are. Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, but it's not enough to know it intellectually. You have to know it and believe it in your heart, the new heart that God wants to give you. And if you're a Christian, the new heart you have, but you're pushing the light because for some reason you want to keep doing the old work don't do that. Let the light of Jesus come over you, because you are not of the world. You're of the light, the light of Jesus Christ, who lives in you and through you, because you are born again. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you took us from the kingdom of darkness, and that you put us in the light. And I can't help but think of even Nicodemus, who later in John chapter 19, we see him being a part of the burial of Christ, and he brought expensive ointments and perfumes for Jesus' burial. Now, I don't know if he believed. It seems like he did, or maybe he was just doing good stuff, but I think that conversation at night brought Nick into the light. And I pray right now, if there's anyone who's stuck in the dark I want you to come out of the dark, into the light. You pray this prayer in your heart. and You say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you. You are the Son of Man and the Son of God, and there's no one more worthy than you. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. And I want you to make me that new person. I want your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, to come into my life and turn on the light so that I can understand and grow and be in your kingdom." And for those who are in the kingdom, let's live like who we are. Let's not live in the old birth. Let's live in the new birth. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information, or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com.